Welcome back, everybody, to the February 2017 edition of the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, and uh, we are happy to bring you our last monthly podcast of the off-season as we will swing back into our weekly series here uh, as the, uh, the month of March approaches. So... Uh, this would be podcast episode, what, about 74, I think, and uh, joining me, one of our mainland writers, Dave Rowe. Dave, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing excellent, Michael. Glad to be back. Seems like it's been a month. Yeah, it's. I've been putting it off this month. We did it early last month because we got uh, a window to get Jason Kreiss, and um, been putting it off this month because I've been under the weather. I'm still kind of battling a bit with the it's just a smidgen of a cough that's kind of lingering, but uh, a little bit of a, I don't know if my voice will hold out long, so we might have to do a brief one to this uh, this time out. But um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll try to try to get this done. I, uh, uh, you know, one of the great things about the, the season coming up is we have actual soccer going on and uh, OCB. Uh, as we record this on the the 23rd, the evening of the 23rd, OCB had its first preseason friendly scrimmage, um, and uh, they drew against the University of Central Florida nil nil in their first outing. Uh, interestingly enough, former uh, USL Lion Rob Valentino, who's now an assistant coach with Orlando City, got out there and uh, played a little center back with some of the trialists uh, to to bring some stability to the back line but and he must have done a good job because again no goals were scored um, but uh, and Orlando City has been out there on the pitch and they've been playing some unusual scrimmages um, and uh, you know the 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 great thing about it is that they've been scoring some goals but the bad thing about it is they've been shipping some goals but I don't think it's too much to worry about um, some of these have been a little bit unusual in their structure. Um, they did uh, three 45-minute sessions against Philadelphia Union. Uh, that's not something that you'll normally do in the uh, the course of the MLS season. Uh, they had two 90-minute sessions in, in one game. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've been doing a little bit of interesting uh, things. But the, the main thing they want to do is build some kind of cohesiveness and get fit for the season, which starts March 5th against New York City FC in the brand-new stadium downtown. So, anyway, um, Dave, I know that some people, uh, some of our readers have been a little bit, um, you know, off-put by, or put off by the the uh, you know, the goals against. Obviously, Toronto uh, scored early and then had two, uh, two late goals in, in the scrimmage on or the weekend, and... Philadelphia scored three times, but, you know, again, the third one came in the 125th minute. Uh, what are your thoughts overall on preseason and, and you know, what it means or what it portends for the regular season, if anything? Uh, it, preseason is just that. Um, you're out there. You're seeing what you have. You're trying new things. You're seeing how people are going to work. I mean, we have – you know, speaking of defense, I mean, we've got new guys on the back line. Um, they've got to develop chemistry. That takes time. Preseason helps with that. I mean, you can you can do a lot in practice, but uh, until you're actually, you know, face-to-face with somebody that you don't practice with all the time, you're not necessarily going to be able to see how that cohesiveness is going to work. So that's probably part of it. Um, Joe Bendix has got to get used to, you know, those new guys uh, and talking with them, directing them. So there's, there's a lot that goes on there. And that's exactly what the preseason is for. So I don't think that it's necessarily something to, to worry about, at least at this point. Um, we're going to have, uh, because we have new people, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains, but I think we also got good people in. And so once they develop that chemistry, I think overall we're going to be better off on the, on the back line than we were last season. And that can only be a good thing because uh, – now, that is where I think the heartburn is coming for uh, some of our readers is that they they were burned so badly by the, the back line or it seemed that way to them um, so much last year that uh, it, they're, they're having flashbacks, even though it's preseason. <laughs> and uh, so every little it's one of those things, you know, when you're when you you, you get punched in the mouth so many times and you, you start to get wary of somebody putting their fists up. So. Um, they're just 
I think they're just reacting to that. I think once um, once things get going, it'll settle down. It'll be better. Um, you know, on the other end, uh, Rivas has been, uh, you know, fantastic. Um, and, you know, yes, he and Laren have got to figure out their – once again – you know, we've got two up toppers before we've only had one up top. So now they've got to figure out that how that's going to work and how that communication is going to go, where who's going to be where so that they're not in the same spot. There's a lot of that. And I think, like I said, that's exactly what the preseason is for. That is what uh, Coach Price is working on. And, you know, yeah, we're going to have to wait to see, you know, how it translates into the regular season. But um, I'm – None of those have counted yet. So everybody's got the same record. We've got just as good a chance as anybody else. Let's stay positive. Yeah, I've never been a big believer that uh, preseason results were, you know, could tell you a whole lot about the regular season and how that was going to go. I know that uh, the Chicago Cubs didn't have a, I don't believe, had a winning record in their uh, training, spring training games last year. And, you know, it, I, people say, well, don't dismiss what's going on because, you know, there's there's things that they're working on and these are the things they're supposed to be cleaning up and whatnot. But, you know, last year we were told that they were working on set pieces and, you know, Seb Hines goes out and scores four goals in a game off set pieces. And I don't think we, you know, Orlando City exactly set the world on fire on set pieces last year. So I don't think you can necessarily take uh, a whole lot out of it. I, I just think that right now uh, – you know, Jason Christ seems pretty upbeat about the way things are going. He 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 did mention against Toronto the, the first five minutes and last five minutes weren't what he wanted, but for the most part they did what they were asked to do. And if the coach says that seems satisfied, then you got to pretty much believe that things are coming along. And, you know, I, I kind of predicted uh, that Orlando City might get off to a little bit of a difficult start and then start to pick it up as, as the – you know the the back four get a ton, get you know get a chance to gel and and build some chemistry. So that's that's kind of my thought on on the preseason. And you know so many of these things have been closed uh, to the media and to the public that we really don't have a, a lot of visual evidence to go on. And and you know Austin was out there at the Toronto uh, preseason match and he says for the most part they played fine. They just had a few a few mishaps that uh, you know they'll they'll try to clean up and, and, you know, we'll go forward from there. So uh, I would say don't panic based on preseason, um, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. You know, some, many NFL teams have gone winless in preseason and, and uh, gone on to, to do great things. And I know this isn't, you know, that kind of football, but I think that, you know, there's things you work on, there's different combinations you're going to see than what you see in the regular season. Your, your, uh, you know, your depth is going to be tested at some point during the season. There's a lot of different variables that uh, the preseason doesn't really uh, allow you to capture. So, uh, and there's just a fact of human nature. Some guys are just more intense when the regular season is uh, happens and, every, you know, the games count and real results are on the line and that kind of thing. So, Step back from the ledge. Don't worry too much about it. There's one more preseason game to go this weekend at the new stadium against St. Louis FC. And, uh, you know, it's a USL team. So, again, you're not going to be able to really tell a whole lot about that. The uh, the USL teams tend to play up when they play MLS sides, even if it's preseason, because they play with a little more chip on their shoulder. And um, I think the main thing is just to give everybody a good run out, try not to get any more players hurt. And, um, you know, get a good experience in the in the stadium, uh, in the brand new stadium. So um, looking forward to it. March 5th is coming sooner than you uh, than you realize. You know, I don't know about you, Dave, but I, I feel like this off season hasn't been as long as I you know, it doesn't hasn't felt as long as usual. I think maybe because we've had all the the pride stuff and the. The, the national team stuff and all this stuff going on in the off season, uh, it just hasn't felt to me to be a big, um, you know, gap in the schedule, even though we haven't played since uh, October. Yeah. Well, like you say, I mean, there's been a lot to talk about. There's been a lot to uh, watch, um, you know, and of course with um, Jason taking over halfway through the season last season. So we had his, you know, we, we can talk about his first full season coming up. We can talk about the acquisitions. We, you know, there's, so there's, there's plenty to, 
to, you know, okay, it's not a big fat steak, but at least it's a hamburger worth of stuff to talk about. Um, and that, that can, uh, that can make all the difference between it feeling like, you know, you're in the desert or if, you know, okay, well, you're just in Vegas. <laughs> well, um, one of the things that I think that we should uh, probably talk a little bit about is, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about injury and depth being tested and, and Kevin Alston had, uh, a knock midway through the preseason and now, uh, Rafael Ramos, uh, with injuries to both his hamstrings. And, you know, that might push uh, tonight's guest actually over to the right side to play right back, which he's done some this preseason. Donnie Toya uh, may be the man in line to get the start on opening day at right back as uh, PC, by all accounts. Um, you know, Victor Yero, uh, you know, codenamed PC, nicknamed PC, whatever you want to say, has impressed Jason Christ and company uh, this preseason, the young Brazilian with a, with the flair for the attack. And of course, uh, nobody that was there will forget the, uh, the U S open cup goal that he scored against Orlando city last year. Uh, what do you, what do you make of the, uh, you know, of the situation with, with Ramos being out for, uh, they're saying six weeks, um, which, you know, that sounds about right. Depends on the severity, obviously, but, uh, uh, two hamstring injuries at one time is a little bit curious to me. It's uh, that comes across as a little bit nuts. It's it's one of those okay one hamstring you're like uh, okay you know stuff two just like you, you feel bad for the man. I mean it's just <laughs> how how does that happen? I mean you know we're older than he is and I haven't had a hammy now I haven't run as much as he has but still um, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing. Anytime we lose any depth, that's that's going to be bad, um, you know, because it's it's 90 minutes and and sometimes people need a spell, especially after uh, you know things get going. Uh, you know, everybody like we we were just saying, you know, they're trying to get into uh, shape for the season. Well, having more depth early on is going to be better, so that that hurts. Um, uh, it is nice that Toya can go over to the uh, to the right side and and allow us that flexibility. Um, I think that's one of the really nice things about, and, and I don't even remember who wrote the article, but, uh, I believe that that was mentioned, um, that it, you know, he did have the ability to play on either side. So that, that is good. That helps us out. Um, and then PC on the others on the left side, um, going forward, I, I would still like to have the depth. Um, and that's, that's where injuries are going to hurt you. Uh, so, but, but that's, Anybody, anytime. I mean, you know that that's professional sports. So there's only uh, there's only so much we can do about that, and that's uh, up to the trainers and everybody to get him back healthy, not push it, make sure that uh, he takes the time he needs, so that uh, mm-hmm. when he does come back, um, you know he's he's ready to go. Yeah, it's really bizarre, kind of how the you know when the injury bug hits, it usually hits one position. And hits it hard, no matter what sport or what team you're talking about. Look at, I think back to last year's Dolphins team and the secondary was decimated. And also the offensive line is like, so, you know, offensive linemen keep kept going down. Defensive backs kept going down. And with uh, Orlando City, they finally got some good depth at fullback. And then, boom, two, two right backs get injured. Uh, I don't expect Alston will be out too much longer. Uh, he provides a little bit of good good coverage and some experience. Um, certainly, is a known quantity. Uh, I think a, some people were a little disappointed that Jason Christ went out and re-signed Alston and Hines and, and guys like that. But uh, you know, Jason Christ said last year at the end of the season, what surprised him was how close this team was to to being ready, and it, he didn't foresee needing to make major changes. And the one you know one major change that he made was on the defensive end by bringing in. You know, Jonathan Spector, um, Donnie Toya, PC, uh, along that back line, and also bringing in Will Johnson for coverage. So, you know, he made the changes he needed to make in the areas he thought he needed to make them. Um, you know, obviously we didn't foresee necessarily losing Molino, but the team should be able to survive that in terms of, uh, you know, playing an extra forward, one less midfielder. Um, you know, they've been playing a 4-4-2. And interestingly enough, not the Diamond. They've been playing a, a bit of a flat uh, flat 4-4-2, a traditional 4-4-2. Yeah, that's uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, I, I believe the coach said that, you know, based on the, the personnel that he's got right now and, and how he sees them playing, that that's 
that's the best way for him to to put them out there to be most effective. Um, uh, you know, we all know that he would like to institute the diamond, but uh, you know, I think it speaks to his um, coaching acumen that he he is able to look at it and go, okay, you know what? I, I, while I would like to do that, that's not going to work out best right now. Well, it looks like we got some uh, technical issues creeping in, so why don't we um, just get on with our interview with Donnie Toya, and uh, we'll get to that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast, we're very honored to have uh, one of the newer Lions with us uh, this time out, uh, Donnie Toya, left back. Uh, or fullback, I should say. He can play on the right as well. Uh, thanks so much for uh, being with us on the Mainland Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, Donnie, before we get started into the real hard-hitting questions, I just want to say that I really didn't <laughs> appreciate the uh, the goal you scored on us uh, a couple years ago <laughs> in Montreal. <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners are still still smarting over that one. But uh, anyway, uh, it's it's good to know you're you're on the good guy's side now. Um, I wanted I wanted to start off by asking you about the uh, the exit from Montreal and, and whether or not you um, you know you knew this was coming before the protected list came out. You know what kind of conversations did you have there and and did you realize you'd be you'd be moving on? Yeah, I mean for me it wasn't being in Montreal just wasn't the the right place for me personally. Um, so I was, I definitely, I mean, I was trying to get out of there, um, and back into the States, uh, stateside somewhere. So, um, it was definitely something that we were talking about my agent and I, and, um, it was pretty, pretty brief for the most part, but at the same time, he knew how I felt about trying to get out of there. And so he was doing everything he could. And then, um, I got a phone call during the off season saying that I from Montreal saying that I was unprotected. Um, so that was kind of a, a positive. And then after that, I knew the expansion draft was coming, but I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I was watching it and then I actually got a phone call at the time. Um, so I missed the part where I actually got drafted. Um, but it was actually, it was pretty exciting. It was, it's crazy to think that uh, I got chosen out of that first out of that whole draft um, to at the time Atlanta, a new expansion team, and then a couple hours later finding out that I was actually traded to Orlando. So it was definitely an exciting moment for me. Um, I was happy about the the trade, the whole situation, and how it went down. And after that, I was just looking forward to coming to Florida and and starting a new season here. So when you found out about the the draft and and everything, did you already know that you were were being moved on from Atlanta? Did they tell you that right up front? No, I had no idea. Um, I, I mean, they just they just told me that I was unprotected from Montreal, like on on their list, mm-hmm. and then so that pretty much. I mean, at that point, I just knew that. I had a chance of going in the expansion draft, but I I had no idea about who was going to pick me up or if anybody was going to pick me up. And then uh, it happened, and then I got a call from Carlos Bocanegra from Atlanta, and he spoke with me briefly, just saying congratulations that we picked you up. And then a couple hours later, got a phone call from Jason, basically saying that there was a trade that had happened um, prior to that, and so. Yeah, that's how it all worked out. <laughs> so an eventful expansion draft for you, for sure. Um, yeah, now, absolutely. <laughs> having played against Orlando before, what you know, what were your initial thoughts when when Jason called and said, you know, you're you're coming to Orlando City? I was I was very excited actually. I mean, obviously playing against them the first two years in the league, uh, we have, they have a great team. Uh, all the players, they have great ability and and. They showed it the few times that we played against them uh, in Montreal and actually in Florida. Um, the the results were both ways, and especially towards the end of their season last year, uh, when they got the new coach in and and they started playing for each other a little bit more, and and it showed. I mean, they 
crushed Montreal 3-1 at home, and I was a part of that game. So um, it definitely shows that the character is there for all the players and, and that they're willing to fight for each other and, and they want to be there to, to win a championship. Now you're 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 on your fourth MLS team already. You're only 24. It's, we can't call you a journeyman at this point because you're only 24 years old. Um, you, you you've done this before, this moving to a new team thing. How, how kind of long does it take to to come into a new team, a new city, and and kind of settle in with the guys? How how long does that take? Uh, I mean, it just depends on the person you are. If you're kind of outgoing and and low key about things and just let things flow. It, I mean, it goes pretty well. Um, I mean, if you're willing to kind of break out of your little shell and, and communicate with players and coaching staff and, and people around you, then it you should be able to break out of that and actually get to know the players fairly fairly well and fairly quick, probably within like a couple of weeks. Um, I'd say, obviously, my luck in the, the couple of teams that I've played for in the past and traveling and moving from one team to the other pretty much every year. It, it's definitely tough at times, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you got to have that, that uh, personality of being outgoing and, and allowing yourself to be introduced to new things and, and new people. So I think uh, for myself, it, it's, it's pretty easy for the most part. So coming in here, you you, you meet the guys, you, you get out on the field a few times. Uh, who who are some of the guys that kind of helped you settle in and, and um, sort of made you feel welcome right off the bat? Uh, you know, uh, Will Johnson. I mean, I've, I've played with Will Johnson before. Uh, he was at Salt Lake when I was mm-hmm. there. Um, when I was there with him the very first year, uh, he was one of the very first guys that came up to me and, and introduced himself and said, if you need anything, let me know, contact me, give me his number and everything. So I knew him and we kind of, we still had that little uh, friendship uh, from the past. And so he was very helpful. And then um, also when Josh Saunders came in, he, he put himself out there and obviously he's a veteran guy in the league and he's been very helpful as well um, on and off the field and situations and stuff like that. And then, um, Servando Carrasco has been there, and so a bunch of guys. It just depends on uh, who you talk to and who you, who you're willing to kind of break out your shell with. So you you know you talked about Will Johnson seeing a familiar face. Obviously, you know another familiar face being Jason Christ. You it was early in your career when you were with Jason in, in Salt Lake, but you know what sort of um, how is he to play for as, as a player? Like what do you expect? from a coach like Jason Christ and what does he bring to the table that, that you enjoy? What I enjoy is that he just, he brings out the best in you. Uh, he always wants you to give a hundred percent and, and he allows, obviously it's okay to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes and, and you learn from them. So he's always been that I feel like that type of a coach where if you're going to make a mistake, you learn from it, but he wants to make sure that you get it right and, and you progress. Um, obviously, coming into the league very first year with him, I was a forward midfielder and transitioned to a defender. So, um, obviously, that that mentality is a little bit different, but it was always just willing to put in the work and, and proving yourself day in, day out and giving 100% no matter what. So the team, you came in and, and you guys went into training and, and you went up to Jacksonville for a bit. How would you describe the the team's personality and the, and the mentality of this team and, and the closeness that you were able to uh, to sort of develop when you guys were, were away from home? It seemed like everybody was focused. You know, obviously the last couple of years weren't the greatest years in coming into the league. Everybody has high expectations, and so do the players and coaching staff. So, obviously, not being able to make the playoffs, it's frustrating, and and that's what your your goal is, to make playoffs and win championships. So, everybody came in super focused and, and ready to go and, and get the season started because we want to make that run into the playoffs. We want to we want to show people that we're here to stay and, and prove that to the MLS that Orlando is a, a team that's going to compete for every every match and and leave everything on the line. So 
you guys have played a few friendlies here in the preseason, and and I know that some of our readers have uh, have expressed some dismay at some of the results and some of the amounts of goals <laughs> against. How would you, as a, as a professional, you've been through several preseasons. How would you sort of calm the the nerves of the of the fans who are sort of uh, you know they hang on every little piece of information and, and see it as a sign of things to come. How, how would you uh, describe the team's play and, and, you know, um, certainly the, the defensive end of things? Yeah. I mean, I try not to worry about what the, the fans say and stuff like that. I mean, that's obviously it's out of our hands and it's something that we, we don't need to be worried about in the first place. I mean, we have our job to do and that's, whether it's defending, attacking, or just in general playing as a team out there on the field. Um, I think for the most part, our defense is, is solid. We just got to fix a few little mistakes that we do here and there that, that cost us goals. Um, but it's just little details that that are actually really big details that we need to make sure that we, we fix. And, and after that, I think we'll be okay. So, you know, you had this – you came in. You've been a left back. Um, Orlando also brought in PC, this this Brazilian kid, to to compete. Your your battle for left back got a little bit derailed, I think, by the injuries at right back. Um, with these injuries at right back, can we expect you to shift over to the right, or is that something you guys have talked about, or is that still being worked out? Yeah, to be honest, I don't I don't even know at this point. I mean, in training and everything, I'm playing left and right back, so it's it's up in the air. I mean, I'm. I'm always competing for a spot no matter what, whether it's on the left or right. So, uh, I mean, I go in every day with the same mentality to give 100% and prove myself and, and prove to the coaching staff that, that I want to be a, a starting uh, player at either position. Um, I think for the most part I'm capable for doing that on both sides, and I think I've proved that for the last couple of years. So um, I just, I mean, I stay focused and, and try to focus on myself and, and make sure that uh, I do everything as right as possible and and just compete. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is you're always out there to compete. I mean, it's your job that's on the line, and if you're not starting, then you're on the bench, and nobody likes to be on the bench. It's frustrating, and, and it's not fun. How tough is that transition from, from playing left to, to going over and playing on the right side? Is it is it something where you, 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 know, you sort of have this – you know, reaction because you've been playing on the left so much and then maybe there's some hesitation on the right or, you know, what are the, what are the challenges that you find um, moving from left to right? Yeah, I think uh, a little bit of it, like the transition going from left to right, obviously I'm a left foot player. So going to the right, it, it makes me use my right foot a lot more and it makes me trust it more, even though it's maybe the quality is not there compared to the left side. Um, but that that's a big transition and obviously defending wise as well it's complete opposite so I mean just the way your body is facing sometimes it, you get a little confused or you get focused on doing it the the left way on the left side and and it's wrong because you're on the opposite side so um, you definitely it, it takes time but at the same time I mean for me I've been doing it for the last two three years now so it, I adjust to it pretty quickly. It's just when I get stuck on one side for a little bit and then randomly transition to the other side, that's when I have a little bit of unbalance there. You know, as, as someone who's who's moved from attacker to to defender, um, you know, we've seen that here with Breck Shea. They, they moved Breck back to left back for a while. How, how long did that take you to sort of get comfortable in defensive role and 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 to get that mentality that you, you know, that you um, – you know, you know what you're supposed to do, but getting it to become automatic rather than having to think about it. I, to be honest, I think the defending part was always automatic. I mean, ever since I've played soccer growing up, I mean, I feel like you could ask any of my coaches growing up that whether I was midfielder or forward, I was always tracking back as far as I could to help out as much as possible. So um, defending-wise, that wasn't a problem at all. I, I feel like that came on very quick and uh i mean just at this point it's just staying focused and knowing that defending is your number one job and then going forward after that so 
just a lot of communication comes into play with your center backs and, and your goalie. Um, and I mean, that's, that's your job is defending. So that's what you have to focus on. So you, you've had a little bit of time in Orlando now. Have you, have you been to the stadium? I, I know you've been to the training facilities. I was just curious as to how Orlando city's facilities, you know, stack up in your experience now that you've been in a, a few different cities. Yeah, it's a little, it's it's up there. I haven't seen the the stadium yet. I've only seen pictures, which obviously they look amazing. Um, everybody's ecstatic about the stadium coming in and be able to play in front of twenty five thousand fans. Um, the training facility is nice. Obviously, it's not ideal where they want to be, but I mean, obviously, I've, I've played in a couple other like Chivas. I we were sharing the same stadium as LA Galaxy and. They had a, a locker room in the same stadium as well. So, I mean, it wasn't the greatest situation, but it it did its job. And I think that's what it's doing here as well. I mean, it's tough to, tough to go from Montreal because they just got a new training facility, which, is, I mean, I think it was actually beautiful. I mean, they did a, a fantastic job on it. Um, and then, obviously, to come into the locker room here where it's a little bit smaller. But, I mean, it just depends – the group of guys as well. I mean, you're hanging out with these guys and having a good time in the locker room, just joking around and stuff like that. So you don't really worry about the little stuff like that. Um, you don't let that stuff get to you. So, Well, Donnie, before we let you get out of here, um, I have to ask, I know you've, you've only had the one career goal and it was against the wrong team, obviously uh, from our perspective, but <laughs> sorry, you're, 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 I'm looking ahead to your first goal in purple do you have a celebration uh, dance all lined up for that? No, I don't do. I don't really do any celebrations or anything like that. It's just whatever comes to mind at the time, which is probably not much. I'd probably take off sprinting or something like that because I get so excited. No, <laughs> uh, no, no celebration for me. All right, well, Donnie Toya, uh, one of the newest members of Orlando City, we uh, we look forward to seeing you on the pitch uh, here starting March 5th. And um, thanks again for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, well, we, uh, we certainly want to thank uh, Dan- uh, Donnie Toya for being with us as our special guest here on uh, episode number 74 of the Mainland Podcast. Before we get out of here, a few more things we should discuss some some news from the pride obviously the the uh, orlando pride and the entire nwsl will uh you know will be announcing their full schedule soon but they uh, they did announce the openers and orlando pride will open again at portland as they did last season Uh, that will take place on saturday april 15th at 3 p.m unfortunately same kickoff time as orlando city la galaxy um so uh, that's the bad news. The good news is you can set up your DVR to record that one because they are going to be, our very own pride, are going to be part of the first ever Lifetime Game of the Week national broadcast uh, through the NWSL's new national television deal with A&E Networks. So Lifetime Game of the Week debuts on the 15th, and it will be pride at Thorns in that game. The first game at the new downtown stadium for the Orlando Pride will be a week after that, April 22nd, against the Washington Spirit at 4 p.m. And that will be uh, Ashlyn Harris and Ali Krieger going up against their former team, the Washington Spirit. And uh, it's really cool that uh, the Pride get the first ever uh, national game on uh, on A&E Network's Lifetime uh, channel. And uh, also... um, it's good to get that road game against Portland out of the way early. Absolutely. And and let me just say, I'm not at all surprised that they decided on that to be the, the first, um, you know, lifetime uh, game of the week or whatever they're calling it. Um, and, you, you know, obviously Portland, big soccer town, and Orlando, big soccer town. Um, you know, Pride came in last year and they had the third best uh, attendance overall, um, you know, first year in the league. So um, it's they know that they're going to draw the eyeballs and it's all about that when you're putting it on television. So um, I think it's a it's a little feather in the cap for the Pride. Um, and, uh, you know, nice for us, like you said, put it on the DVR, um, be able to watch it. Uh, you know, you're going to have a 
very, I'm sure, very professional level um, match coverage, and uh, it'll be really, it's going to be really cool to be able to see that. Um, and, you know, uh, or you flip back and forth. Who knows? Yeah, if you're not, uh, if you're not, if you don't have your ticket, which by the way, the Orlando City home opener is sold out, as well as the the Galaxy game is, uh, is sold out of individual game tickets. You can still get a ticket to the LA Galaxy game if you buy the Flex Five Pack or the Five Five Pack Flex Pack or whatever the heck they're calling it. Uh, there are still a few uh, tickets available to that game if you go and buy the Flex Pack, but individual game tickets for uh, the Galaxy and for the home opener are sold out. Um, it's uh, it's no surprise. It's a 25,500 seat stadium, and uh, the team has drawn 60,000 plus the first two home openers. So it's not a surprise uh, that it sold out very very quickly, very shortly after the tickets went on sale to the general public. Uh, considering the fact that there's 18,000 season ticket holders and, and <laughs> they got the first uh, the first dibs on on buying additional tickets to, to that game, and also Lion Nation folks uh, who are not season ticket members also were able to buy tickets to the home opener before they went on sale to the general public. So really not a surprise, and it's good to see it sell out. I know that people, some people were disappointed to get shut out, but uh, yeah, come on, we knew we knew two and a half years ago this this day was coming when the when the tickets were going to be squeezed down to a smaller amount, and uh, you know you had time to to make plans. And, and take care of that, so whether it be through Lion Nation, whether it be through season tickets or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully people aren't too upset about it because it is just going to be part of, of life as an Orlando City fan. You're not going to be able to get into every game unless you buy very early uh, because it's, it's going to be a hot ticket, especially with this new stadium. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so if you're, if you're going to the stadium on the 15th, Tape the game, tape the Pride game, and go home and watch it afterwards. And uh, you know, if you're if you're watching back, you know, if you're watching at home, maybe you can do the picture-in-picture picture thing or something, and uh, see them both. By the way, uh, Dave, uh, very interesting news since our last broadcast is that classic USL era uh, Orlando City goalkeeper Miguel Gallardo is going to be part of the uh, the local broadcast. Really? Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, so Miggy is back. He's uh, he's been playing in Jacksonville the last couple seasons. Uh, he's yeah. He's going to be uh, part of Orlando City's broadcast crew, which is this is very exciting to have Miguel back. And we're gonna have to have him on the podcast, I think. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, just you know, bring him back home. Bring him back home. That's right. So uh, welcome home, Miggy, and um, we're glad to have you. Uh, also, with the Pride, we know that uh, you know some of our Pride players, uh, Alex Morgan, who obviously will be with Olympic Lyonnais for the uh, first part of the season, uh, also Ashlyn Harris and Ali Krieger, they will all be participating in the upcoming She Believes Cup in the uh, the Northeast Corridor. That's where they're they're holding uh, those games this year, which is kind of weird to have it in the uh, in the Northeast and in uh, late February, early, early March, I think when that kicks off. So um, the weather might not behave, but uh, they're going to, they're going to be playing against Germany and France and England again. So some, some very quality women's soccer for those three uh, pride players to, uh, to get, uh, to get in shape, obviously Morgan already um, in form um, or at least uh, in shape with Lyon. She has not had a very good goal scoring record since joining uh, Leon. So uh, hopefully she'll she'll hit her peak right in time to uh, rejoin her NWSL team. Um, and also uh, some Australians, Steph Catley and uh, and uh, Kennedy, a couple of defenders, uh, Alana Kennedy and, uh, and Steph Catley will be with Australia for the uh, Algarve Cup. So uh, some high quality women's international soccer coming up. Um, and uh, in, in advance of the NWSL season, I believe, I want to say March 13th is when camp opens for the NWSL. So uh, so the, uh, the NWSL season's coming up. They're, they're going to be training soon. Some of the players are already in Orlando and, and working out and, and getting into shape and getting ready for the upcoming 2017 season. So we're all looking forward to that. Absolutely. And uh, like you were saying, a lot of quality international. Um, 
as far as uh, the She Believes Cup, you know, and the weather not helping out, I, you know what? I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, the U.S. Women's <laughs> National Team, uh, the fans will travel to see them anywhere, anytime, any weather. They're kind of like the, the post office when it comes to that. So uh, I, I don't think they're going to have any trouble uh, filling the seats on that one. And this is a big season for Ashlyn Harris because, uh, you know, that, that goalkeeping competition is wide open right now. Uh, with Alyssa Nair uh, as the other, you know, strong uh, contender for the goalkeeping spot for the U.S. Women's National Team for Jill Ellis. And so Ashlyn Harris needs to have a very, very strong season uh, if she wants to sort of inherit the the Hope Solo mantle, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think my voice is starting to falter, so it's good. We're almost done. <laughs> Uh, one last thing I guess we want to talk about, obviously, OCB is, uh, we mentioned them. They've gotten their, their preseason underway. They've now... Uh, gotten a, a friendly under their belt against UCF, a nil-nil draw. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the last thing we really wanted to bring up in this um, February edition of the podcast is, you know, Tommy Redding with the U-20 national team. They, they got off to a tough uh, tough start in Costa Rica with the uh, the opener of the CONCACAF championship falling to Panama 1-0. Uh, bounced back nicely against Haiti, and if they just uh, – uh, take their, you know, take their chances against St. Kitts and Nevis uh, in the in the third game. Uh, they should be in pretty good shape to qualify for the U20 World Cup, and that would be really huge for Tommy's development. Absolutely, and he's uh, he's been playing well uh, with them. He uh, he played the full 90 uh, with Haiti. Um, he's been um, a vocal leader. Uh, you know. I hate to put it this way, but one of the older guys and, uh, you know, to the point where he's he's actually talking about helping some of the younger guys develop. Um, of course, Brooks Lennon has been, you know, fantastic for them as well. So uh, it's, uh, uh, like, like you said, you know, St. Kitts and, and Nevis, uh, if just take care of business and, and they'll be good. But uh, I've been very happy with uh, how Redding's been playing. Um, I think uh, – Coach Ramos made a good uh, good selection in, in, in bringing him in, and uh, I'm very hope, hopeful that it's going to uh, help Tommy with you know Orlando City. Yeah, pretty good um, uh, outing against Panama for the most part. I mean, the team did um, give up a goal and, and lost one nil. They they also <laughs> Panama actually was was down a man a lot of that game, but. The goal that was scored deflected in off of a, a defender, not not Tommy Redding, thankfully, but, <laughs> right. um, you know, it was a little bit of a fluke goal. So um, that could have been a result there. And and unfortunately, it wasn't. But uh, no, no issues with Todd Ramos's uh, team selection. I don't think that he's a particularly great tournament coach, um, but so far they're in a position where they can uh, succeed in advance if uh, if they take care of business. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see if uh, if they can, you know, get that done and, and qualify for the U20 World Cup, which, again, that would be, I think, a, a really big developmental step for Tom Ring play, you know, on the world stage against the best players at, you know, his age level. I think that would be a, a, you know, obviously, should everybody stay healthy, he shouldn't be getting a lot of games uh, early in the season with Orlando City. So it might be a good uh, opportunity for him to, to get, um, not only experience, but to get informed in case he is, uh, you know, called into or pressed into service, uh, you know, in the second half of the season, if if uh, something should happen to Specter and Aha, and and obviously uh, there's Seb Hines waiting uh, in the wings as well as a as a reserve player, a little bit of depth at center back, and I know that people uh, like to joke about Seb and and make fun of him and and blame him for a lot of things, but you know, a back line is more than one or two guys, and obviously there's there's some extenuating circumstances if you're playing with a bad knee on turf you're not going to probably play quite as well as uh, you know maybe if you get a chance to you know to, to have that thing calm down a little bit maybe keep it from flaring up I mean he's you just really don't know because Seb would never blame it on his knee but you just don't know how healthy that knee was last year certainly uh, somebody like him who you know a lot of his game is, is predicated on playing well in the air uh, when he's not playing well, you know, you can sometimes, and he's getting beat on aerials, then you can sometimes look at that and say, you know, maybe he's just not getting the explosion that he needs to. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back this year, because obviously if 
if Jason Christ didn't like him as a player, he wouldn't be on this roster. That's absolutely true. He would not be there. Uh, coaches as you know, made no bones about it. Uh, he, he knows what he wants going forward. And if, uh, if you're not going to fit in that, that mold or that scheme, then, you know, he'll make a change. Um, so, uh, I, I agree with you, you know, uh, calm down about Seb and, uh, hopefully the knee's feeling better. And then, you know, as far as, uh, Tommy, you don't know, he, he may not break into it, but then we get back to him being able to play with the under twenties and hopefully, uh, you know, for them to qualify playing time helps playing mm-hmm. time helps pretty much everything. So if he, if there is a need for him, then if, if they've been doing that, um, it's, it, it's only going to help. Yeah. You want him to be ready if, if he's needed and, and, you know, clearly the team can, can, you know, loan him down to Orlando city B for some games and, and get him some playing time that way. And, and then if he's got that, that's, uh, trip to uh to play in the u20 world cup that'll that'll also help his form and his fitness and and get him match ready if they if they need him and and certainly he's a guy who's is heavily counted upon uh, you know in the future plans for this team this is a kid who you know he could be the center back of this team for 10 years uh, you know as a starter so and those are the really the the building blocks for for great teams i mean you, you look at um you, you know, you look at the past uh, of a guy like Nat Borchers, who, who stayed mm-hmm. with, you know, who, who was a mainstay, uh, you know, on, on a back line and that kind of thing. So, yep. you know, it, it can only help. So we want those U20 guys to qualify. So it starts on Friday. Uh, actually, that's the day that this podcast is going to land. So uh, later this afternoon, hopefully uh, at 530, hopefully the U20 team will uh, will take care of St. Kitts Nevis and, and uh, you know, move up in the uh, in the group so before we get out of here a couple big dates coming up of course saturday the 25th of february you've got orlando city against st louis fc the first real game in the new stadium of course there's kids versus pros before that but uh i'm not going to really count that as a real game (laughs) something something just tells me nobody's really going to to be going full speed, 100 percent for the for the guys in purple in the kids versus pro game. I think the kids will go 100 percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Christian Aguita, of course, is uh, is banged up, so he won't be out there slide tackling any eight year olds. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Um, Somebody 20- needs to Photoshop that. <laughs> yeah, the 28th uh, is OCB. We'll be playing uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, and that is going to be a game that features the uh, video uh, assistant or video replay, <laughs> video assistant replay, the VAR system. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And I've heard that might be streamed, but I don't have any confirmation of that. Um, then, uh, of course, March 1st, we have the, uh, the She Believes Cup kicking off, U.S. Women's National Team against Germany. And uh, then again, March 4th, they will play England, and also the uh, OCB folks will uh, go over to Eastern Florida State College to take on San Antonio FC in a friendly, preseason friendly. And then the next day is the 5th, and in addition to Orlando City's opening game at 5 o'clock against New York City FC, OCB at 11 a.m. will be at UCF for another friendly. So maybe it's one of those things where you can take in the OCB friendly over at UCF and then hurry on over to the stadium for a few a few cocktails at the tailgate before Orlando City and New York City FC kickoff. And then uh, the seventh, the She Believes Cup wraps up with the U.S. Women's National Team taking on France. So uh, lots of soccer, real, actual competitive soccer coming up. Um, very exciting. The uh, the OCB regular season will kick off, uh, let's see, on the 25th of March uh, with uh, Orlando City B taking on Tampa Bay Rowdies in the I-4 Derby as that resumes uh, that's over at Al Lang Stadium in St. Petersburg. I imagine a few a few of the Ruckus and ILF folks might have to go over for that one. I think. And of course, I would think so. and of course, before we get out of the month of March, which you know is practically upon us, uh, we will have uh, more World Cup qualifying for the U.S. Men's National Team against uh, Honduras and uh, Panama. So, uh, big, big, big moments coming up. Uh, you know, both nationally and locally and uh, Orlando city B on March 30th, will play their first game in the new stadium against former Orlando city affiliate Louisville city FC. 
All I can say is finally. Finally. <laughs> so we got we're gonna have a lot. You and I are gonna have a lot to talk about when we resume this show weekly in in the month of March. So I hope. Yes, we are. So you need to do whatever you got to do to get that throat better. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need a lot of Ricola lozenges and um, a little bit of healing and um, maybe some beer. Maybe that'll help. There's always beer. Absolutely, and and no one would know that more than you. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. We all have our uh, yeah. As our purveyor of of Pride Pub, you would uh, you would know more than most about the uh, well, beer experience. And we can look forward to the uh, the return of the pub here soon. So everybody, keep a lookout for that. All right. So Dave will tell you how to tailgate for all of these games upcoming. So uh, or at least the Orlando City ones. Um, we'll have to do some special edition ones for the maybe the Pride or something. I think we will. Uh, that's a that's a great idea. I will sit down and figure out and uh, and I, you know we'll uh, I I'll think of something. Yeah, because I mean they're they're going to be playing some teams that don't have a corresponding MLS team like North Carolina, for example. Right. Yeah. So that offers some opportunities. You're right. Yeah. All right, guys. So I guess that's going to do it for episode number seventy four. Uh, of the mainland podcast we want to thank again uh, donnie toya of orlando city soccer club for being with us uh being a you know being a great sport answering all of our questions and taking a little ribbing from me about the the lone goal in his uh, mls career which came at our expense in 2015 uh when he was with uh, montreal on a <laughs> on a corner kick as i recall so uh you know thanks to donnie and of course thanks to rafa cabrera from the orlando city staff for setting that up for us really appreciate that and i I talked to jackie maynard and jackie ramos the two jackies over at orlando city today as well and we can look forward to more great guests being lined up uh in the coming weeks so uh and in addition to trying to get miguel gallardo we've got an in with some other some other great guests coming up so you don't miss an episode because you're going to miss an interesting interview most likely not to mention us i mean come on (laughs) That's true. You, you, if you can put up with us long enough, you can you can hear what you really came for, and uh, and you know that's 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 not nothing. No, it's, it's not nothing, <laughs> and, and and we do, and we do appreciate the sacrifice everybody makes, you know, to to get to the good stuff. So that's right. So thank you for listening. Um, you know, please visit us at uh, themainland.com. Maine like a lion's mane. M A N E. Uh, follow us on Twitter, please at the mainland. And uh, we also have a Facebook page, The Mainland, over at uh, Facebook.com or on your Facebook app. So uh, also uh, would be really awesome if you like what you hear to please give us a a favorable review on uh, iTunes. And um, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. And uh, on behalf of David Rowe, that will do it for episode number 74 of The Mainland Podcast. I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of The Mainland, signing off as I usually do by saying, Go City! (laughs) 